Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlanta Braves yeah. giving you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to an episode of The Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by our friends at Armchair Media, but not for much longer, hint, hint, uh, and our friends at Bet Online, who you've heard me talk about, oh, about 10 million times between both shows, but you know what? I really do enjoy Bet Online, especially if you're like me and you're big into betting a sport that you don't generally cover, you know, like me and MMA. I'm a big fan of, of putting some money down on fights because it's 50-50 prop whether I win or lose, so it makes me feel like I've got a better shot at winning, makes the fights more interesting, but maybe you're not a fight fan. Maybe you, you want to throw some money on the Braves now that they just brought back Marcelo Zuna and you saw the awful Pakota projections and you want to get in on that before people wise up. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code armchair for a nice little surprise when you make your initial deposit and find all the lines you need from the beginner lines straight bets, parlays, uh, future bets, whatever you want to find, props. There, there's all sorts of things to find across all sorts of crazy sport options on Bet Online. You can find it for the NBA, for the NHL, for MLB, for, for probably for cricket. It doesn't really matter. The BetOnline.ag guys, they're going to have a line for you. They're going to make you feel at home, whether you're a beginner or whether you're a seasoned vet. BetOnline.ag, promo code armchair. All right, so we're a few days behind on the Marcel news just because life comes at you fast, and Doc and I are both adults who actually have, you know, real jobs that we have to do from time to time. Uh, so we know you've already heard about Marcel, but that's not going to stop us from having a Marcel celebration today. Big news, man. This is this was always the best case scenario. You know, we spent a lot of time in the offseason pontificating about would they bring back Ozuna? Would they try and swing a trade? Would they try and bring in Justin Turner and move Austin Riley to left? But this was always kind of what everybody wanted. And there's still some questions about whether or not there will be the universal DH. Personally, I'm not convinced that it's not going to be there. So there's a possibility that Ozuna could wind up seeing plenty of time uh, in the DH position. But in the meantime, he's the left fielder now. He, You know he works in the lineup. You know he works in the clubhouse. And the way that his deal is structured. It's four years, $64 million, or $65 million with an option for, for a fifth year, and he's only making $12 million this year, so it's backloaded a little bit. So the Braves still have a little bit of wiggle room to 
to make some additions to a team that is pretty much complete, but still needs a little bit of rounding around the edges. But uh, I'm just, I am just so happy when that news broke. I just, I could not wipe the smile off my face. It's such a perfect fit from everything from the Braves wanted right-handed power. It's hard to get much more right-handed power than Marcelo Zuna. The fit with the team itself, the way he interacts with Freddie, and the way he just interacts with the overall feel of this team and what he brought. Like Donaldson was was good for the team and good for the clubhouse, but Ozuna is a different level of fit. Like that's that is the absolute perfect fit and flair and flavor for this team. They just all mesh and meld so well. You get almost, an, uh, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I get like an Elvis Andrews, Adrian Beltre vibe whenever I see Ozuna and Acuna acting up. It just, it's it's a perfect fit. Uh, whatever you think, because to be like, Marcel's not going to do over 162 what he did over 60 games last year. It's not feasible. Just like Freddie's not going to carry a BABIP that's almost 500 for a full 162 games. But when you look at the profile of what he did, he's a guy that, yes, he can be streaky, but even when he's streaky, he's still awesome. I mean, it it's there's no downside to this and to get him under like to get him at an average of 16 and a quarter a season with a club option for the fifth year that's absolutely insane the mlb just came out and they said that they are going to kind of tinker with the makeup of the baseball which is going to change some of the power numbers that you're going to see this year but Ozuna doesn't hit a lot of wall scrapers. He hits a lot of deep, deep home runs. So even if he's not able to sustain the batting average and the OBP, uh, then the slugging is probably going to stay pretty close to what it is right now. And with the exception of Adam Duvall, who signed with the Marlins earlier this week, this team is bringing back basically the entire gang. And they they got within one win of the World Series with... They got within two innings. Yeah, with... Ozzy being hurt for a lot of the year, with Acuna being hurt and playing hurt through most of the playoffs. I mean, this this is a very this was a very dangerous team without Marcelo Zuna. And just dropping him in there, you know, you pitch around Acuna to get to Freddie, and then you gotta pitch around Freddie to get to Ozuna, and then however you line it up behind that, whether it's Darno or Albies or you know, if if Riley tur- <clears throat> turns a corner and he moves up in the lineup, I mean, you're looking at five, six, seven guys deep where it's just you have nowhere to hide in that lineup. It, it, it's a perfect fit, especially I almost think it became an even better fit once the Universal DH got denied by the players when MLB tried to sneak some stuff in there past them. I almost think that it increased Ozuna's chances of going to Atlanta because if he wanted to play in the field, his best case scenario was going to be the Braves because all the AL teams that were talking to him, they already had DHs on the roster. Like the Red Sox, when the Red Sox were talking about it, it's like that's a weird fit because you're going to have Marcel play in left field every day because you already have J.D. Martinez there and he's even worse in the field than Marcel. Or you talk about the Rays, like I know the Rays aren't going to play him in left field. They got a Randy Rosarena out there. And I, I just never bought in that a lot of those AL teams that were sniffing around on him were real contenders. Now I thought the Rangers or the Blue Jays might be some teams that could sneak in on him. But as soon as that came down, I was like, cool, that means the Braves can play him in left because they have a left field opening. And Marcel loved his time here, as you could tell from the video he he posted pretty much right after he signed the deal. I mean, it, it was just a perfect fit. Marcel looks like he genuinely loves his team and, and just loved being in Atlanta. So I think that that was a perfect fit. You'll get him through his age 31-ish to 34 to 35 years. I mean, it's a great it's a great fit. I mean, I can't say that enough. It's it's just awesome. Really, really glad to have him back. And you're right; it does take a lot of the pressure off the rest of the lineup um, because before, you know, when you're looking at Travis Darno having to hit third or fourth, Darno is going to regress pretty hard. 
Uh, last season, Darno was the best offensive catcher in baseball, and it was off the strength of a BABIP that was up over 400, uh, substantially better than he's ever performed offensively in his career. And that's going into 2019 where he had a breakout off, off offensive season. So he's definitely going to regress a little bit in uh, deadening the ball a little bit. It's probably going to play a pretty big role. And that's going to play. It's definitely going to play a role in guys like Christian Pache, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But for the Braves and, and just the the for the offense in general, bringing back the same band offensively and then adding Charlie Morton, getting Soroka back and even adding Smiley, who even if he doesn't hang on all the way through, only having to have one spot be reliant on uh, competition between Smiley and Bryce and, uh, I don't know, pick a name, Kyle Wright, Waskar Noah, uh, Kyle Muller, whoever, uh, just having that fifth spot be be the battle if there's any weaknesses there. That makes your – I actually think it made the Braves pitching rotation, while I don't think that they're the best in the National League, I think the Mets still have the best in the National League East. Essentially, the Braves are rolling into the season with either the best or second best across the spectrum of, of all the major positions in the National League East, at least. And then in the National League overall, I'd put them top five in every category. So I'm feeling pr- I'm feeling pretty daggum good about the Braves' chances this year. You know, I am too. And we talk, we've talked a lot about his defense, and uh, we've done our mea culpas about, uh, about our uh, misconceptions about uh, Marcel and his quality of defense out in left field. And this year when you've got, you're going to have Christian Pache playing next to him, even even if you're in a scenario where you have Ender and Ciarte, Ender has lost a couple of steps over the past few years, and let's hope it doesn't come down to that. But he can, there are ways to kind of hide Marcel and left a little bit. Now, invariably, the ball is going to find him sometimes, and there will be, you know, there will be plenty of room for snark about his defense. But, you know, he has always been good enough with the bat to to make up for uh, to make up for any misgivings on the defense, and as long as the DH comes to the National League when they when they redo this next CBA, which I think literally everyone is expecting that to be the case, it's just a one year experiment. So uh, I'm way less worried about Marcelo Zuna's defense than I am about you know Mike Soroka running the bases or whatever. But I I still I still tend to think that they're going to get that get that whole thing hammered out. So I alluded to the fact that they had. They've got a little bit of room. They've got a little bit of flexibility. For the most part, the everyday lineup is set at this point. What do you do to round out the rest of this team? Because there's still there are still a few areas out there. All right, so there's still some some players out there like Justin Turner is still out there in the free agent market. And in a perfect world, I would say obviously yes, bring him in too. Pushes Riley to the bench, makes the bench better. Alex has already said though that going into 2021, the payroll is going to be lower than it was in 2020, which I don't think anybody is really shocked at hearing, but it does essentially mean that you can go ahead and cross Justin Turner off your wish list. Uh, I would guess he's probably most likely to head back to L.A., maybe to the Mets if they're feeling kind of salty that the Dodgers took Bauer from him at the 11th hour. Um, but there's still some things to do. I think I think you can go ahead and write the starting lineup in stone. I think we'll get some iteration of Acuna, Freddie, Marcel, Travis, Ozzy, Dansby. Uh, then you can kind of float around a little bit. Who am I? Who am I missing? I feel like I'm missing some people here. Uh, Riley then uh, Riley then Pache. I'd probably go Riley then Pache and then the pitcher. Uh, ideally, you'd have the pitcher go eighth and Pache go ninth, but that's not going to happen. Uh, so that that's more of a pipe dream at that point. But but your starting roster is basically set. Uh, and and really, there's 
if the pitcher does end up hitting, you've got three spots in lineup that, that you don't feel great about. Personally, I feel pretty good about Pache. He hits the ball super hard, so I'm not really worried about him. Uh, but even with marginal improvement from Riley and Pache, you've still got a whale of a lineup that you're at least six deep, and you have a potential to be seven deep. Uh, but you look at the bench, and the bench is definitely the weakest area on the team right now. The bullpen, you lost Melanson and Green, but Melanson was starting to get to the wizard aspect of pitching where he doesn't throw hard. He doesn't miss a ton of bats. He just missed a lot of barrels. And those are one of those profiles that if you can get it super cheap, fine, because it's a real boomer bust profile. Shane Green, I appreciate what he did for the Braves, but Doc, you know me. I've never been big on Shane Green. It wasn't that long ago that he was the worst reliever or the worst closer in Major League Baseball. So, I mean, it's not like those two guys are irreplaceable, even if you just go from depth from within, because you are going to have matriculation to the bullpen now that you've gotten two extra starters figured out and you get Soroka back. I mean, we know Ian is a lock for the rotation. So, essentially, you're going to have to make a decision with Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright and Tuki Toussaint. Are they going to stay at Gwinnett or are they going to be in the bullpen? Waskar and Noah, the same thing. So, you have to have space for those guys. I think Waskar is a pretty safe bet for the bullpen. Uh, I think I think right now I'd probably give the edge to Bryce. I think they'd rather have Kyle starting full-time in uh, Augusta than they would in the bullpen, but who knows? They could they could roll with that either way. Tyler Matzik was a huge revelation last year. I think we can all agree Will Smith is going to be better with a full spring training behind him. A.J. Minter really rediscovered himself a season ago. He brought back Josh Tomlin, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean... You could still technically, you've got guys like Casey Kalich, who's, who's going to have a real shot this year. If everything at the alt site that I heard was true, Casey Kalich will have a, a chance to to get up this year. Tucker Davidson and Kyle Muller both have experience in short stints. I mean, there's Jaseel De La Cruz is a real option because Jaseel has, Jaseel's profile is one that if he doesn't make it as a number five starter, he will be a high leverage closer or high leverage reliever. That's just his type of profile. He could handle that. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of ways they could go. And even on the free agent market, there's a lot of guys similar to Melanson and Green. I mean, talk about Trevor Rosenthal, uh, who rediscovered himself last year. If that's for real, you could get him. Uh, the, they signed Victor Arano, uh, Carl Edwards Jr., and Nate Jones, all on minor league deals with invitations to spring training. All three of those guys have potentials to be really, really good. It wasn't that long ago that Carl Edwards was really good. It wasn't that long ago that Nate Jones was really good. And Victor Arano has had some some really good success in the past as well. And everybody sucks for the Phillies in the bullpen. So it's almost like a Mets thing where you just get them out of there and you can see them, boom. There's a lot of ways they can... I'm not worried about the bullpen. There, there's Relievers are super volatile anyway, so I expect they could probably sign a couple if they wanted to. It depends on how they're going to feel about about the three that they just signed and the matriculation. If they want to, they could bring they could bring back Melanson and Green. But I think the bench is where you focus on now, and that the free agent market is starting to dry up a little bit. Um, I don't know about any particular names on the free agent market left. I was pretty big on Jonathan VR, uh, but now that he's gone, Renato Nunez would make some sense if you want some pop off the bench and a guy that can kind of play some first base. I. Granted, I think Austin would be the backup first base, but Renato Nunez can play some first base a little bit, and he does have big-time power. So there's still some options they can go even before you talk about the trade market, before you even get to the waiver wire. You know, and it's important to, to remember, I mean, spring training starts next week, which sounds just... Just saying that makes me so happy. But part of the reason why I bring it up is because every year there, it's like what you saw with Annabelle or Annabelle Sanchez uh, going into was that 2018 that he was so good for us. 2019, whichever year that was, he w- he had been on a deal with the Twins. It became apparent that he wasn't going to make the roster. He got cut loose. Braves picked him up, and he wound up just having a fantastic year here. So 
there will be some projects, some kind of reclamation projects. Now, luckily for the Braves, they don't have a lot of, they don't have any needs at as far as starters go. So you can have imperfect players. You can have somebody that would maybe start for like a Baltimore, Detroit, a Kansas City, and you can plug them in on the bench here. And um, if it if it comes down to it, you can bring back somebody like an Adani Echeverria type uh, if you really want to, or you could go and get Travis Demerit. I know that's somebody that you had said might not be a might not be a bad I would option. Love, I would love to sign Demerit to an MILB deal. Uh, I know he was he was horrendously bad in Detroit, but he's one, I don't really understand why he was that bad. Now he got way slower and his defense suffered because of it. But they kind of moved him from second base to to left field, and I think I didn't get to see a lot of him. But I do think he might have tried to pack on a little bit of muscle, a la Camargo. Uh, and it just didn't work out for him. But in 2019, for Gwinnett, he was fantastic. So I, I definitely, I definitely would like to have Travis back. Yeah, I mean the the defensive versatility alone and the pop off the bench would be somebody that if you're not relying on him as being an everyday player, that's that's a really really good option. I'm curious which direction they go for backup catcher. You know, Tyler Flowers has been. I mean, he's been a mainstay on this roster for five, six years, and, you know, spring training starts in a couple of days, and he still doesn't have a job. So, based on the fact that they could probably get Alex Jackson, I mean, he's still going to be making the league minimum, and the the performance is probably going to be about comparable at about a quarter or a sixth of the price. So, I think Alex Jackson is probably the route they're going to go that way and that's that's a good topic for discussion too because there has been a lot of rumblings about that obviously William Contreras showed out last year in very limited time he did really well in spring training and he really did well in his short call-up when all three of the Braves catchers were either hurt uh, or uh, in uh, COVID protocols Uh, so everybody's hot and heavy for William Contreras I actually think that Alex Jackson would be a better selection as the backup anyway Uh, Alex is a is a better defender actually in 2019 he was the highest rated defensive catcher in the minor leagues um, he, he's, he's a really good blocker. His receiving has gotten much better. His game calling has gotten much better, which has been the biggest difference. And he has a good enough arm. He has good enough arm to, to play outfield. He's got a good arm behind the plate, too. And he still has a lot of power. Right, right now, he's basically Mike Zanino. And that's, that's a really good option as a backup. I mean, backup, really, I just care about can he defensively handle the pitching staff well enough to where he's not going to kill you. And whatever he gives you offensively, fine. Uh, so I, I'm fine with that, especially if you can save the $5 million that you'd be spending on Tyler Flowers, and you could throw it at just, just some of the guys that are still available. Uh, a Travis Shaw would, would be somebody that would make sense, somebody who can play first and third, uh, give you some pop off the bench, switch hitter as well. Uh, C.J. Crone, who just seems to... I, I like C.J. Crone. Now, if there's no D.H., I don't, you don't really want C.J. Crone playing in the field at all, but if you're, if you're banking on the D.H. getting added at the 11th hour, he's out there. Kevin Pillar is a name. Um, it could essentially give you the defense that Ender would give you maybe a touch better offensively. I don't know if you just found somebody to take Ender's $8 million. I mean, there, there's still some, some names out there. Osdrubal Cabrera, I don't know if he's decided to retire or not yet, but there's some guys out there. Brian Goodwin, even. like There's, there's a lot of backup pieces who I would not mind having. Daniel Descalso, even. Uh, there's some names out there that I think would round out the bench. I just don't want to go into a season where I'm relying on Irihi Adrianza, Pablo Sandoval, and as much as I love him, Johan Camargo as my main bench pieces. Um, That's not generally a recipe for great success, and I think that that's one of the things when you talk about what's held the Braves back in relation to the Giants, like the Dodgers. And I, I, when I say Giants, I shouldn't have said Giants, but when I say the, the big teams like the Dodgers, it is the depth of the team. And if the Braves, God forbid, have to deal with any injuries, it's a very shallow 
bench behind them. So I do think that the Braves, at this point, if they are going to go in, I don't know what they have left to spend, probably somewhere around 10 to $12 million and keeping a little bit in reserve at the deadline. I think it would probably be best spent on the bench. Probably so. They, they're deep enough in pitching prospects to where you can kind of band-aid your way to having a, a really deep bullpen. I mean, even even if for somebody like Tukey, I, I tend to think that the Tukey as a starter experiment is probably done. It's over. Yeah, it's he really had an opportunity. He showed so much in that one start against the Blue Jays, but it was every other start that he had, he just wasn't able to put it together. But you take that arsenal... And getting run out by the Orioles. Getting run out by the Orioles is just a bad He look. just got clobbered in that start. But if you take that arsenal and you condense it into one, two innings at a time... That's a real weapon right there. And and maybe they know that. Maybe that's something that they're that they're working towards. And maybe they don't bring back Melanson or Green or go get Trevor Rosenthal or you know David Robertson has his uh, has his showcase. You know, maybe maybe none of that happens. Maybe they just try and roll with the younger guys. Maybe it's payroll constraints or maybe you see what happens with somebody like a Bryce Wilson when you stick with them cuz everybody remembers the NLCS game against the Dodgers, okay? He looked spectacular. In September. Nobody talks about how good he looked for the rest of the year. You know what I mean? As soon as he got his, for Bryce and, and for Kyle too, and this is something that I think when we, you and I and basically everybody who knows anything in the baseball world now has pretty much said that the pitcher win is a useless stat. But there is something to be said about getting that first one out of the way. Because for Bryce and Kyle, and I know how Kyle's NLCS game turned out, and I know that people have a bad taste in their mouth with Kyle after that. But don't let it overshadow how much better they pitched after they got their first win out of the way. And for Bryce especially, that's when everything finally seemed to, he was able to finally kind of relax. Before then, he looked aggro. He, he looked like he was going a million miles an hour. And then after he got that win, it's almost like he was able to relax and, and look at, and at least look physically a lot more like the guy that we had gotten used to seeing in the minors. After that, he started working his fastball up in the zone and started using the sinker down and started going fastball up to work with his breaking balls. His, his changeup looked phenomenal in the postseason. His slider looked phenomenal at times. Uh, but really, it was using that four-seamer up, and it looked like he just got a lot more comfortable doing that after he got that first big league victory out of the way. Well, and you see what happens when you're patient with guys. I mean, these guys are all still young. Even the, some of the oldest Braves prospects we're looking at are like 23, 24. And for a lot of guys that break through, they don't actually hit their stride. They don't exactly figure out how to do what they're trying to do until they're 24, 25, 26, or even older in some cases. So... Not every, or what? what is the, the saying? Uh, prospect development is not a linear process. So for some guys like Tukey, maybe, maybe it just takes kind of, quote unquote, giving up on the starter thing for now, putting him in the bullpen and seeing where that goes. Well, for Tukey, a lot of his issues are his, his fastball is just not very good. I mean, he doesn't locate it well and it gets hard. He gets hit hard. And when he's not locating his fastball, his off speed has really great spins and really great drops. But if, if he's not if his fastball's not working particularly well, he can get hit hard. And you can minimize that in the bullpen. Or you can do what I want to do, which is package Tuki Toussaint and Kyle Wright to the one team where both of those players would still have big value, which would be the Tampa Bay race for Mike Brousseau. I'm not saying that it's gonna happen, I'm just saying, just consider it. 
I like the fact that you're driving the bus on that deal. Before we go any farther, just want to remind everybody we are brought to you by Bet Online. The Super Bowl has come and gone, but baseball is about to be in full swing. March Madness is going to be uh, going soon. There might be hockey. I don't know. I don't pay attention. Go to Bet Online and uh, you can put your money where your mouth is. Use our promo code Armchair. And from what I understand, we also have a dynamic ad read, which I would like to be inserted right here. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Did it work? <laughs> I, 22, 23. Yeah, we have no idea. We will find out whether or not the dynamic ad read went where I said it was supposed to go when we listen back to this episode. So... You alluded to some pretty shoddy projections uh, for by Pakoda uh, for the Braves in the 2021 season. We are uh, we're just downright perplexed by this. I really don't understand how a team that was tracking to win mid 90 games in a in a regular season. I know it was only 60, but when you break it out over 162, the Braves are tracking to win 95, 96 gets to within two innings of a World Series, and now Pagoda has them projected to finish in fourth place with 82 wins. Dylan Short, what gives? Pagoda just hates the Braves. I know uh, people say that, like, oh, man, Blank hates the Braves, and you're usually talking about, like, a, a reporter or somebody. But Pagoda just seems to, they, they seem to always do this to the Braves, and I don't know if it's because they're always unnaturally high on the Mets because the projection process can't factor in that the Mets were founded in a place that was built over an Indian graveyard or something. But the Mets get a lot of love from Pakota every year, and they should. They've, it's probably based mostly on the fact that they have Jacob deGrom and Noah Syndergaard and now Marcus Stroman and Carlos Carrasco uh, all in the same rotation, and they have guys like Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonso, uh, and they have Francisco Lindor, so they've got pieces there. The fits don't always work very well for them, and the Mets always underperform projections. It's just what they do. The Phillies one, uh, I mean, I, I get it because they kind of the Phillies kind of get the same projection from them that they have the past few years, just barely making it over five hundred. Although for the Phillies, it'd be the first time that they were over five hundred in like eleven years. I mean, something in some insane number with how long that it's been since the Phillies have actually been over five hundred. The Nats, they're a team that's going to get a lot of love because they have Juan Soto, because they've got Victor Robles, because they have Trey Turner and Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin and, of course, Max Scherzer, they're going to get a lot of love for that. But they're a team that, aside, like, they're so top-heavy of a team that I don't buy into them. And I think if the NL East is going to be better as a whole, which it definitely looks like it's going to be, although we've said that the past two years, and the NL East has essentially been over by midseason, um, since the NL East looks better, I think those wins are going to be harder for the Nationals to come by. Because I think a lot of the Nationals' wins frankly have been the Mets and the Phillies underperforming more than the Nationals playing particularly well. You know, look, let's be honest. The Mets the Mets are going to be a problem this year. You know, they did some really good work. We you know, we know all about the Jared Porter stuff and the fact that he is apparently a trash human being behind the scenes. But swinging that Lindor and Carrasco deal that was a good deal to make the team better. Signing James McCann, that was a good deal. The Mets can hit, and the Mets can really pitch. They can't field well, but they are going to be a really good team. You know, this is going to be the closest division race in a while. And the issue that I take with with the Pakota standings is 
Not the fact that it has the Mets winning 96 games and the Braves only winning 82. I have some issue with that, but that's not my biggest issue. The biggest one is that it has them beating the Nats by 11 games. This division is not going to be a runaway. <laughs> you know, it's look, and the the Nationals they have a lot of big names. You know, they Scherzer looked washed at certain points of last year. And I've said a million times if I it, leading up until now, if I was going to start a franchise, Max Scherzer would be the player that I built it around. He is everything that I love about pitching. Or at least he was. But there were some times last year where he just did not look like himself. And, you know, he's he's pitched a lot. You know, he got drafted as a college arm, so he was throwing high leverage innings when he was still at Missouri and when he was with the, the Diamondbacks and the Tigers. And now that he's been with the National League, Nationals, he's in his late 30s. You know, this, this is kind of the time where, where he starts to taper off. Strasburg missed all of last year. And look, Soto, Turner, Man, those guys are serious. Those guys are really, really good. They have a lot of really big names, but without Rendon, and you you didn't see it in that big of a sample size last year, but without Rendon, this team is just not the same. And I know they won the World Series, but that was a totally different thing. The Phillies managed to bring back Real Muto and Gregorius, and they improved their bullpen, but that's because it was... And it's gonna. This is gonna sound. Hy- it was impossible not. To. It's gonna sound hyperbolic. They were literally, literally the worst bullpen of all time. Like by n- numerous measures, they were the worst bullpen of all time. Their ERA was like eight. That doesn't happen, dude. That's it's unbelievable the the variety of ways that they were able to blow games. So they got Archie Bradley. They got Brandon Kinsler. They've they've made a couple of savvy moves there but they're still pretty much the same team. You know what I mean? Their starting rotation still kind of sucks because we've been talking about... They've been talking about Zach Elflin or Eflin or however you want to call his name. They've been talking about him having a breakout for like five years. I mean, yeah, you got Wheeler and Nola, and that's an amazing one too, but you got to have more behind it. In the NL East especially, where every team except for the Marlins is at least three deep in their starting rotation. Most of them are four deep. I mean... I, I, I just I don't understand the the love that they give the Mets and the Fangraphs the Fangraphs projections are much better. They still have a lot of love for the Mets. They have the Mets winning the division as well, but they have the Braves in second uh, at eighty nine wins. They have the what's it, the Mets at ninety two and seventy and the Braves at eighty nine and seventy three. Uh, again, though, I mean with the Mets, I feel like we do this. Every single year with them. And maybe it's different now that they got rid of the Wilpons. Maybe this is the year where they hearken back to 2014 and 2015 and all of a sudden everybody stays healthy and clicks. But the Braves are returning a team that was on pace to win like 100 games. Uh, They're a better team than the team that won 97 games in 2019. I just don't see them dropping off by nearly 10 games no matter how good the rest of the division got. I just don't see it. What's well, easy to gloss over in this, you look at the Marlins, Pakoda's got them at 68 and 94, and Fangrass has them at 70 and 92. And I know that these are simulations, these are projections, these are not somebody sitting down with, with inherent bias. I mean, these are, these are computer systems. But the Marlins were a playoff team last year. Maybe they wouldn't be able to sustain that over 162, but you saw a lot out of those guys. And there's going to be, we've talked about how the Marlins kind of remind us Last year they were they had mm-hmm. some 2018 Braves feel to them. Well, there's a lot of young guys on that team that you can't really calculate what the experience might do for them. Like they've got a lot of guys and they've got a, particularly pitching. 
I mean, they're going to have Sixto for a full season if he's able to actually make it past 100 innings for the first time in his career. But they've got Max Meyer, who could be in their bullpen today. I mean, they've got um, Edward Cabrera is right there. Uh, they've got, uh, what's his name, Trevor, not Trevor, uh, Braxton Garrett. I mean, they've got guys there. They've got good pieces. Harari Encarnacion, they've got some power. they got Garrett Cooper. They signed Adam Duvall. They've got Jesus Aguiar. I mean, they've got uh, Starling Marte in center field. Like, they've got some pieces. Jorge Alfaro, Brian Anderson. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that they're going to be as good over a full 162 as they were in a 60-game stretch last year. I do think they'll be fourth in the division. But it's absolutely not going to surprise me if the Phillies are last in the division and the Marlins are able to be, you know, even as high as third, depending on what happens with the Nationals. This Marlins team, it's hard to account for the way that they play ball, too. They're they're a weird team that they can they have enough of that youth and I guess that youthful vigor, uh, where they play very hard and they beat some teams that they aren't supposed to beat, and they also just play very well against teams like the Phillies. And the Nationals, they just play well against them. I mean, I, I I don't I think that they're low on the Marlins. I understand the computer systems doing that because it's just taking the overall like the best players. It's just taking the how how good your best players are supposed to be. Essentially, I mean, it's it's just averaging out that way. I, I get it. I I just don't think in real life it it bears out well, and that's why I don't generally like projection systems. Period. To be honest with you, I don't really use Zips. Sorry, Dan Samborski. I know we had you on, and I enjoyed the episode, but I don't use Zips. I don't use Steamer. I don't really do any of that stuff. The whole thing is just a giant crapshoot. It's it's fun to it's fun to speculate on at certain points during the offseason, but you know, we're we're right around the corner from having real deal baseball and this will just go back to being numbers on a stat sheet. <clears throat> and when it pertains to the Braves, when you're when you're looking at, at uh, projections for twenty twenty one, it's I'm sure it's taking into account the fact that Ozzy Albies sucked for half of last season and that Mike Soroka only pitched thirteen innings, you know, and and truthfully, it's it's hard to know what type of rebound there's going to be from guys like that. And if they're changing the ball, well, I mean, how do you make how do you make projections at all? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other part too. If we don't we don't really know how changing the baseball is going to affect this. Now, certain guys like Acuna and Ozuna and Freddie, their power will be fine because their power is not based on wall scrapers. They hit the ball hard all the time. The guys that hit the ball can consistently plus 90% or 90th percentile type of hard hit rate, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Now, Acuna might hit 35 instead of 40. Uh, Freddie might not get to the 40 homer mark, which I thought he had a real shot at getting to this year. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Um, but that's going to make you know certain, like the guys like Pache and Dansby uh, and even Ozzy, although Ozzy's been pretty much a 20 home run guy, 25 home run guy, kind of regardless of the baseball, um, but it's, it might make those guys lose a few on the home runs. Now, they should probably get more extra base hits now, too, uh, because of it. you'll have more balls that will get to the wall that you know might have carried to, to get caught by somebody. It, it'll probably average out overall. Uh, but a lot of these guys, you're going to see the power dip across the league. So it is going to help the pitchers out a lot. Uh, it's going to help the relievers out a lot, I'm sure. We don't know how much they're going to deaden it. From what I can gather, it's probably just going to be using the 2019 postseason ball. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that goes and how it affects, you know, how it affects the guys that, like, the guy that I think, like, Didi Gregorius is my example. Didi's a guy that his power numbers trick you because he had such success in New York with power and with the new baseball, but he never had that anywhere else. Like they're projecting Didi Gregorius to be a 20 homer guy again in 2021 and with a dead baseball and having to play 
a lot of his games outside and not playing in the AL East, I don't see him being a 20 homer guy, for example. So it's going to be interesting to kind of monitor that. But I think that I think that the Braves will work out well because their big power guys are also guys that hit the ball really, really hard. And that's going to translate regardless of which ball you use. As it pertains to Didi, uh, he's been aided historically by the short porch at, uh, at Yankee Stadium and moving uh, moving to Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia has served him well because that's not a very large ballpark either. But his spray chart is hilarious. I don't think that he has ever hit an opposite field home run. And that, once again, much like I talked about the Phillies bullpen, that's not being hyperbolic. I'll see if I can I can find the picture of it and post it. He has never hit an opposite field home run while he's been. While he's he's also pro. a wall scraper guy. Even in his homers that he hits to to mm-hmm. left uh, to right field are generally wall scrapers. Yeah. So certain certain guys stand to be affected by this a lot more than others. But you know the Braves are are a fast team and. Or, not even so much that every single one of their guys is a blazer, but they're really good base runners. They're really smart base runners. And so even if you do have to deal with more guys that are on base, I mean, you can see the line just continue to move uh, with uh, with the quality of with of their uh, hit tools. It's not it's not just power. So there will be some effect. Honestly, but I think so I think the brave that might get affected most will probably be Travis, to be honest with you. Probably. No, that's I think that's absolutely fair. And even so, I mean, if my catcher doesn't have an all-time great catcher season, I'm, I'm okay with that. Travis has gotten to the point where he's good enough defensively to where that's not a huge deal either way. And, and, and the Braves, I think the Braves have one of the most well-rounded teams in baseball. And that's even before we get to where we're hoping to get with the bullpen. The bullpen has a chance to really round this into probably the most well-rounded team. Um, and I think that that's a big key point for the Braves. Now, we got to go ahead and end the show soon. We're getting towards that end part. But before we go, I just want to ask you, Doc, uh, in the spirit of projections, what are you going to project the Braves at this year? I'm going to say 93 and 69. Nice. 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 With a National League East championship by two games over the Mets. Yeah, I'm trying to pound this out in my head. The Mets will win. Braves will win 93. <laughs> Mets will win 91. Uh, let's see. Nationals will finish. Nationals and Marlins will tie with 82 wins, and the Phillies will win 14 games. <laughs> see, I'm going to go big. Uh, I'm going to go big or go home. Braves go 101 and, oh! 60, <laughs> 101 and 61. Wow. Do they win the Charlie World Series? Mo- uh, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. I'm going to come back to that one later. Uh, but no, for ser- seriously, I can, I can see the Braves in that 97 to 101 percentile range. The offense should be, if it's not as good as last year, I think it'll still maintain the same type of rank around the league when you factor in everybody else is going to be using the dead ball too. And a lot of other stadiums are starting to use humidors now to store their baseballs in. Uh, I think that the pitching staff is leaps and bounds better. You talk about Max Fried now, who's a true ace. You talk about Ian Anderson. We'll see what happens in his – and now that people have got some video on him, but he certainly looks to be the real deal. Soroka's going to be facing – he's going to be here for most of the season, even if he misses the first month with no DH, uh, which the Braves could certainly afford to do anyway. It wouldn't be a bad idea for Soroka to miss a little bit of time to start the season. The Braves have the horses to be able to overcome that anyway, just to make sure he's truly, truly 100%. Uh, I think Charlie Morton showed – 
at the end. Uh, when Once Charlie got to the playoffs, everybody was talking about his fastball velo being down to 92-93 during the season, but he was dealing with a shoulder issue uh, the offseason prior and into the season for a little bit. By the time he got to the playoffs, he was healthy, uh, and his fastball was back up 94-96. to His curveball is still one of the best in baseball. And di- the other part on this that, that needs to be considered, deadening the baseball will help the pitchers. So I actually think that the Braves' starting rotation um, – since Noah Syndergaard's not going to be back until June or July, I think the Braves have a chance for their starting rotation to contend for a top three or four run in the entire National League. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say that the Braves. I really do think the Braves can get to that 100 win mark. So I'm going to say 101 and 61. Um, they might be in 97, but you know what? Go big or go home. 101 and 61. You can go to Bet Online if you would like to put some money on that, ladies and gentlemen. See. Armchair, while you're still called that, you got a third one. You got a third pump for this week. This is what happens when you have people that uh, go big. So, everybody out there, we do have to end the show. We're about 40 minutes into it now. So, uh, I think we're at a good stopping point for today. Uh, Hopefully, the Braves can continue their run to their fourth consecutive TPS National League East Championship. Thanks you to everybody out there for listening to this episode. And we'll be back on the Morrow Pitchers and Catchers Report next week, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy it. Get ready. Baseball season is finally upon us. Doc. Always a pleasure, my friend. Always, buddy. Let's do this again next week. Maybe the week after that. We'll see. We will be doing we'll more regular uh, TPS episodes between now and uh, when the season starts, for sure. It, it's our spring training, too, so we're going to ramp it back up, and we're going to be back up to full TPS power before you know it. Everybody out there, thank you guys so much. Y'all have a great night. We'll be back eventually right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you for being